Thank you for your valuable input to the discussion about Santa Claus. Uh, my question is probably a little bit difficult to answer, but do you know if uh, there was any representatives of Santa Claus at the recent climate conference in Durban? <laughs> Uh, because I think uh, that could be a real issue for Santa Claus at, at, at some future date if all the, uh, all the ice and the snow melts up in the North Pole and uh, they, we need to look after him. <laughs> Anybody want to tackle that question? Well, that sounds like a pretty good argument to me. Maybe you can take it to the next meeting that these people are having. But given that the way these evolution, these uh, myths are capable of adapting and evolving and being put to various purposes, maybe Santa Claus will resume more of his St. Nicholas affiliations and move back to Spain, but preferably to an ocean place where he could associate with ships again and then be, have cooling breezes in case the weather got a little too hot. <laughs> Want to add a comment? Um, Terry Shillington, uh, thank you for your presentation and your, uh, your humor that came along. I have not so much a question as a comment, and I invite you to react to it. But to me, there's an undertone of sadness around uh, the subject. Uh, I grew up in a, on a, in a farmhouse in which my father was short and kind of chubby and bald-headed and and he was the Santa Claus of preference for schools for miles around. And uh, Christmas Eve, he would uh, tramp into our living room and, uh, and do the Santa Claus thing. And <clears throat> I was uh, probably in my teens before I figured out it was my father. But, <laughs> but um, now uh, there's been such an evolution of, uh, of the Santa Claus tradition into such intense uh, marketing that I, I've come to the conclusion that um, modern Christian parents uh, would, would be better off not uh, indulging in the Santa Claus tradition at all because it, the, the values that our kids pick up from the Santa Claus in the mall are directly counter uh, to what I associate with Christian values. And I, I invite you to comment. I absolutely agree with you. And I even uh, mentioned in my presentation that the social cultural traditions and values that were built for ages could be destroyed by marketers, sorry, among my colleagues, uh, but uh, commercialized uh, and destroyed in no time. And I agree, I, many times I was uh, putting forward, forth this question about uh, what is the impact on uh, children, the realization that there is no Santa Claus. and. Kids are very smart nowadays. They realize this very fast. And then uh, what is next? Are my parents lying to me? And starting asking tough questions, practical <laughs> questions. As I said, they become economists. <laughs> and uh, by the way, I saw a very interesting YouTube video that shows how um, children organized the Santa workshop on the North Pole and introduced many interesting ideas from our current state of the economy, tackled many problems. They're smart, so I don't know. I don't have my children, but I don't have children, but I don't know how, how long you're going to be maintaining the myth and the magic of Santa. Uh, my name's Austin Fennell, and thank you very much for coming to speak to us today. Um, I think that uh, the Santa Claus myth is not the only one that commercial interests have tried to capture. 
In my research into the symbols of Christmas, it's interesting to me to see the extent to which the same interests have tempted to co-op the symbols of the Christian festival. I would like to suggest to you that so long as the Christian church has maintained its festival as important for its own unique character, it is a countercultural activity, countercultural to the economic or the satanic economics or however you say that. My question to you would be to you, um, how, easy, how easy is it to destroy a myth? How easy is it to destroy a myth? Well, I think it's pretty easy to destroy a myth if by destroy we just mean really seriously amend it. And I think if someone does have very strong Christian beliefs and wishes to concentrate on the birth of Jesus and the role of Jesus and theology and ethics surrounding that, I think for that person to not emphasize the whole Santa myth and, and so on um, would, would be a, a really good idea. And that's not my particular position, but my position would be that attitudes of generosity, especially to the poor, of concern, um, humanitarian instincts and so on, if we wish to further those, I think we need to either seriously amend Christmas or question ourselves. There are things that you can do. I mean, last year I managed to give someone a goat through the Mennonite Central Committee, and I'm sure that everyone here has received mail indicating how you can do so-and-so for UNICEF or the Red Cross or whatever group you approve of. So to me, those kinds of things are more consistent with um, Christian values. Well, I don't, I don't think I'm a brilliant commentator on Christian values, but I mean, that, that's what I, I would say in response. Uh, I just want to add one uh, really big contrast that I noticed, and that it, it's my uh, two cents worth, but uh, destroying values, destroying myths. I come from uh, Bulgaria, which was a communist country, and they're trying to uh, destroy religion and spirituality in people. Uh, but at the same time, they're starving them. So it's much easier to destroy uh, to destroy spirituality or myth by throwing money at it rather than starving it. I, uh, Mary Shillington, I'm I'm like my husband. Uh, I I have a story and just like a, a reaction. Um, one of the ways that the Ecumenical Campus Ministry, which I've been involved in, and we have a, a chaplain at the university and a, at the college, uh, one of the things that has happened uh, is that we have uh, at the college a family dinner at Easter time and at Christmas time. And so this Christmas, two, uh, two churches, the McKillop United and Good Shepherd Lutheran, served Christmas dinner to 425 students and families. And to me, that's a way of taking uh, the Christian context, and many of those uh, students were of other, uh, no religion or of other uh, Buddhists or uh, whatever, and, and they, for them, it was not 
that it was a Christian act, it was that it was a caring, loving act for them who didn't have much money at this point in the term and, uh, and were feeling a lot of stress. And so I guess what would you two see we could continue to do those kind of things that would uh, bring forward the caring for, for people in our communities? Well, thanks for that comment. It sounds like a great idea. Uh, maybe I could get in on it next year and help by washing some dishes or some such thing. I think um, at the table where I was sitting, people started to discuss the media and so on. And I think media do a lot of things. But it's important, and your story illustrates, that we're not simply passive recipients of cultural messages. We're also agents, and we can adapt and innovate with those messages. And certainly there are elements of the Christian and the pagan and other stories surrounding Christmas that can be put to very good purposes, as, as your anecdote illustrates. Hi, thank you to both of you. Um, I'm going to make a little story, and then I'm going to ask both of you to make comments because I'm sort of coming at it from both uh, both different uh, both of your different uh, disciplines. Um, when I was a kid, I was raised Catholic. When I was a kid, we always opened the gifts, and Mass was at nine o'clock, and we always had to pick one of the gifts to take to the crèche because the church always had a big crèche, and then the Knights of Columbus would come and pick them up and take them to families that needed them. And that was one of the most difficult things that I ever had to do. And I remember the year that I looked at them and said, which one do I really like the least? Which one's the cheapest? <laughs> so that's what I took. And I put it down. And the good little Catholic girl that I was, I actually went to confession and said, guess what? I took the cheapest thing because I felt so guilty. <laughs> anyway, my point is that um, we, I, I think that, the ultimate human nature is to be giving and is to help. But if we look at giving today, it now has been commercialized. You look at philanthropy, there are huge, huge dollars of people that run philanthropic foundations or that are actually fundraisers. And then the other, the other thing about Christmas is it, is it always is the bump for retail particularly. But if we we're on a treadmill where if we quit buying, someone's going to lose their job. So it's, it's, um, it's a cyclic thing. So if, if either one of you would like, or if both of you would like to take a poke at that one, that'd be good. Uh, it's a really tough decision to uh, ask people not to buy anymore because we are really... Uh, obsessed with growth and economic growth that is unsustainable. In order to be able to grow the economy, we have to purchase what we already produced, right? Unfortunately, uh, with the Pareto seen in the distribution of wealth, we are coming to a point that uh, the wealth is pumped up to the top and the middle class is disappearing and it's not a moral issue only. In order to uh, support the economy, we have to borrow more and more. Uh, and it's very, very difficult uh, to, to change the consumer behavior and to try to find a pattern that will lead to less but sustainable growth. 
And in this sense, uh, I admire our, our Eleo Pecci, who started all this movement, Limits to Growth, in the 70s. And he was saying that, that at that time, uh, developed countries should stop growing, and developing countries uh, should grow only at 3-5%, uh, uh, in order, again, to bridge this gap between the richest and the poorest. So it was 13 times the difference between these countries. Unfortunately, now probably it's 20, 25 times as unsustainable. So where we're going from this, I have answers. They are not very pretty. You know, I, uh, I research crashes and unsustainable situations. But hopefully we'll get our act together and we'll find a middle ground and some redistribution of wealth from the top. Well, I can't say too much responding to your story, except to say that if you liked the gift least, you might feel a little guilty about that, and it's a tribute to your childish conscience. However, it does remain possible that the person who received that item valued it highly. So perhaps that's a small consolation for your highly... Um, energetic conscience. Thank you very much for your presentations. I am of the age to have experienced begging and receiving. I grew up in Japan after the war. There must be some people who grew up in Europe after the war. And uh, Europeans and Japanese who lost the war received a lot of charity. Therefore, many people, when I, whenever I speak about this, don't understand what I'm talking about. Receiving charity is totally humiliating experience. person who gives wields power and people who receive are at the end of that power which is often humiliation. What can you do, this is my question, in the corrupt culture of Santa Claus to give everybody a chance to give? Giving is a joy. Receiving its humiliation. Uh, what do you think? That's why I want everybody to become a Santa Claus. Your comment? Well, that's um, profound. And what what can I say? I mean one could write a lot about that. I guess consistently with your underlying message would be um, the organization of community activities such that the people acting and the beneficiaries were in similar and related groups. And that's If, for instance, 
people who are participating in the dinner that was described earlier. We're also bringing items, we're cooking, we're cleaning up, we're serving, we're helping to organize the dinner, we're sending out notices about the dinner and so on, so that it was more of a collective activity. I mean, um, obviously, Tad has insights here that I wouldn't be privy to, but that's the best I can do. Uh, I have a little doubt about uh, the validity across of your statement. I agree with that. I, it's much easier for me to give than to receive. Uh, but there are people who like to receive. Think about the kids that uh, start with putting a long wish list with expensive toys. How they switch to be givers, I don't know. I have no clue how... Uh, <laughs> how one person who liked to, um, who uh, felt entitled to receiving switched to be a giver. Um, I, I, I'm absolutely on your side, and I remember when uh, the easiest was when somebody likes something I have, I, I'll give it away immediately. And recently I came back from, uh, from my trip uh, in Asia with empty suitcase because fortunately everybody liked something of my stuff and I don't have to bring it back, <laughs> right? Uh, but uh, for those who have hard time receiving, I, I can't give you an answer for that. Um, there is something about, uh, they say that we are very egocentric, that we don't like to receive, feel guilty, feel kind of uh, incurring some li future liability. And usually I go for a practical uh, gift like shampoo or conditioner or something, bring me something like that. I don't need anything else. A lot of things I can buy myself, so... Are there any other questions? We have time for one quick one. Knut Peterson is my name. I forgot to mention it last time. Uh, I, I, I know what Tad is saying about being humiliated by receiving when you really need it in, in those days, but I, I would disagree. Today's uh, generation is not humiliated by receiving. Um, I had a hard time with, with uh, your point, Tad, because I think it's so cultural. Um, my husband and I were just in India in the winter where through the Rotary Club and through donations we were able to build a 10-bed hospital for people Henning had worked with 45 years ago, indigenous people. And we were concerned, too, about how, how would that be received um, because it was a gift. It was a gift from the West. And people told us that they felt that there was a link, that there was a link between them and people somewhere else, that people somewhere else cared about them and cared so much about them that they would build a hospital so that they wouldn't have to be sick and die. Um, 
Thank you for that. And I encourage you to all be generous givers and receivers in this season of light. Um, so thank you to uh, Trudy and Rotsitsa for their uh, session today, and also to all of you for coming, uh, attending, listening, and participating. Happy holidays.